to another episode of the net megasys podcast myself ritvik the host of the show and once again i am joined by sudesh the co-host of the show welcome sudesh how are you doing mate uh, yeah thank you so much ritvik not doing that well considering what has happened uh, like the turn of events uh, those events have been like very unfortunate for me as a barcelona fan but i think uh, i think it's the time to move on and you know embrace what we are right now so not so doing well but happy to be in the podcast regardless yeah i definitely can understand that i mean the last episode we recorded was what on 30th or 31st july that's that's less than 2 weeks uh, back and you mentioned on that part how you expect leo messi to stay at barcelona 2 weeks later he is no longer a barcelona player he was no longer a barcelona player uh, for, for 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 some time now since his contract was done at barca but there was always hope that he would resign that's what you thought as well that's what a lot of barcelona fans thought as well and i think that's what i mean a, a huge part of the football audience around the world thought as well but what's happened has happened and that's one of the discussions for today's episode lionel messi to paris saint germain what a big statement for psg especially considering the world cup is coming on next year 2022 at qatar nasser al khalafi has probably got a diamond signing right in at the right time leo messi might most certainly leo messi and neymar might most certainly be the two poster boys for next year's world cup and this is a big win for qatar more than it's for you know psg yeah i mean uh, whatever psg does is directly associated to where the money comes from so it's it's definitely going to be associated with qatar and considering the things that have been happening footballing wise in this country like everything every single thing that happens in paris qatar directly or indirectly and uh, that's a good point that you brought in about the world cup and everything and how nasser al khalifi did the right thing at the right time and i still remember when they signed like when the qsi qatar sports investment took over paris saint germain in 2011 this their one of their major signings was javier pastore and i still remember uh, Khalifi himself saying okay we're going to make our Messi ourselves essentially like you know in 2011 they were uh, committed to kind of having uh, a revolution in Paris and uh, they declared that we would have our own Messi uh, or create our own Messi and now after 10 years of time it's strange to see that they couldn't do that and now things have turned and then uh, you know they uh, essentially the original Messi and now since they have the greatest player of all time uh, it's it's a very big statement as of how you know uh, they can land in any player that they want to and uh, like this has been said by many that psg is essentially a uh, a sports washing platform for the state of qatar although it's registered under qsi and qs qsi is a private firm but it's still funded by the qatari government so uh, There have been quite a few things that PSG have done uh, right in the past few years from signing uh, Neymar to getting Mbappe and even reaching the UEFA Champions League finals and now definitely signing Lionel Messi 
and in this definite fashion and uh, getting the edge over their uh, rivals, European rivals Barcelona, in terms of how the World Cup is going to be, this is another addition to what Qatar has already managed to get. For example, Xavi, Nigel De Jong, every, everyone is here in Qatar and then uh, they're promoting it uh, by hook and crook and we can expect to see Neymar and Messi getting more involved in the next year's work. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, when Barcelona actually announced that they would not be able to re-register Messi at the club, I mean, it was pretty obvious that PSG would be his next uh, destination because I think apart from PSG, Manchester City might have been the only club who could have, I mean, honestly or, or like realistically afford Messi's wages, to be honest, I mean, to be very honest here. And I think there were strong links with PSG as well as uh, as soon as that uh, news was announced. And we pretty much knew that he was going to PSG. But I mean, the moment that I heard that that he would go to PSG, I kind of like had it in my mind that 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 the deal was done. But most importantly, one thing that actually came into my mind was regarding the European Super League. I mean, you know, I mean, we've discussed this whole fiasco of the European Super League multiple times uh, in different pla- on different platforms. But in, I mean, to 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 basically put out a statement there. I think the true winner of the European Super League is PSG and Nasser Al-Khalifi because PSG did not join the European Super League. Uh, a lot of other super clubs joined and some of them withdrew. It was a complete mess. A lot of them ended up big losers. Real Madrid, Barcelona, I think we, we are seeing them being targeted by a lot of people because of the same fiasco. But the, the most important thing that the European Super League, uh, you know, brought up is that Andrea Agnelli, who uh, who was actually in 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 the UEFA board, I think, before the Super League was announced, stepped down from UEFA because of the Super League, and UEFA decided to appoint Nasser Al Khalifi in a role, essentially, essentially, giving PSG kind of a free ticket, considering the financial fair play rules and stuff. I mean, there was recently uh, news going around saying that PSG's, I mean, FFP would be actually, you know, uh, relaxed for PSG until 2023. That's until the end of the World Cup and another season, which is kind of bonkers, kind of like favoring them. But it wasn't really a surprise. And that's why I think the, the, the real winners of the Super League was PSG and their owner, Nasser al Khalifi getting a ticket into the UFA board. So so that's that's something that really uh, you know kind of clicked in my head uh, when I when I when I kind of heard that Messi was moving to PSG. And apart from that, Sudesh, the kind of revenues Messi will bring at PSG is is probably something that shouldn't be understated. But as a knock on effect, as a knock on effect, Mbappe has been linked with a move away for a long, long time. Most likely, it's going to be Real Madrid where he moves. Either this season he moves for a big fee or he waits until the end of next season and runs down his contract and moves to Real Madrid on a free transfer. If Mbappe moves, you have Cristiano Ronaldo at Juventus whose contract ends as well, if I'm not wrong, next year. Do you see Ronaldo and Messi playing in the same team? 
Yeah, I, I say make it happen. You know, you you made everything happen. I say make it happen. Um, if realistically, if we see any team that can do that, it's got to be PSG. If they have assembled a trio uh, in the forward line, which would comprise of Kylian Mbappe, Neymar, and Lionel Messi, I think it's also a possibility that uh, in case Mbappe leaves, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo might essentially be uh, an option for PSG. And this uh, deal makes sense uh, even more than what it carries in the footballing terms. For example, as I mentioned, this is not just a football club that's being run by a new honors, but it's also essentially like a platform where uh, countries like Qatar can uh, actually rectify the images. Um, the City Football Group, Manchester City, was essentially a practice from the UAE or Abu Dhabi uh, to set their foot and then clear up their reputation in front of the European audience. And uh, PSG is essentially the same move, but by a different state. So they would get the and the traction and everything that they want to get through this football club. Let's 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 face it: income and money has never been uh, a constraint for these state-run clubs. They're here for, I guess, a broader purpose. And um, considering that Kylian Mbappe lives for uh, Real Madrid, I I definitely as an option that Nasser Al Khelaifi would consider. And he's definitely, as you mentioned, is. Uh, in one of the most powerful positions in the UFR. And if you see his history, he has had that ability to step up his game. For example, he was a top-class uh, tennis player from Qatar in his sporting days. And then he necessarily made the Qatar Tennis Association a grand success. And then he was chosen to lead uh, Qatar Sports Investment and BN Media Group. He's still the chairman of BN Media Group. And then he made the stride to leading the PSG. So uh, he holds the power of UFIs now. And uh, this this isn't going to be a problem for him. It's just if Ronaldo decides to leave and if Paris are interested in him, I definitely see that happening. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's any, like, like you mentioned, if there's any club who's capable of doing it, it's, it's definitely PSG at the moment. Uh, so... Yeah, that that could be a real possibility. But let's probably end up end the messy chat with uh, by discussing the footballing angle of the same. How do you see PSG lining up, Sudesh? As far as I remember, I think T4RL did a very good video of this, and I would recommend everyone, like each one of our listeners, uh, to go and check out that video. That that's a very good illustration, and that's exactly how I expected things to be. So either it can be somewhat like a three-man for. Uh, let's not talk about the midfield and defense because, frankly, I, I guess no one even considers uh, the other things that we're going to see. Although there there are likes of Ramos and Gini Wijnaldum making their appearances or claiming for the spots in the midfield and the defense. Let's let's talk about the forward line only. So now essentially two possible scenarios that I can see happening in this case. Uh, first, it's going to be straight up Kylian Mbappe in the center, Neymar making his runs from the left, and Messi starting from the right, cutting inside and and occupying the uh, zone 14 that he always operates on. And the next that I, could, that I can see is Messi starting in 
zone 14 that's essentially uh, being an attacking midfielder so it's go it's it can also be uh messi as a as an attacking midfielder kiran mbappe as a straight of forward and neymar from the left and uh, and heldi maria from the right that also makes sense and in uh, an alternative uh, or if you need some changes at the half time or even uh, for an alternative case you also have someone like uh, icardi who can come and then poach in front of the box and essentially convert chances that uh, creators like messi and neymar uh, have aban- like you know create in abundance so uh, my first choice uh, with how moisio pochettino goes for goes in i, I can expect him to play uh, Verratti as a number 10 which uh, he has done in the past in his tenure at Paris so um, i see messi coming on from the right like from his msn days and uh, you know uh, not just confined to the right but you know uh, playing in the space between uh, those two and so that that's my pick in in footballing terms it's it's going to be uh, neymar on the left mbappe on the center and then messi Uh, starting from the right but not essential that's only on the paper and him occupying a more diverse role in the center of the pitch just uh, in and around the box and i mean something that that's been again running around social media is like different formations i've seen people post visuals where ashraf hakimi as a third center back which which kind of made me chuckle a lot but yeah apart from those, all all those you know that all those messy lineups uh i think it's going to be it's going to be a really tricky situation for marcio marcio pochettino he has so many amazing players at his disposal um i mean you have messi uh, sergio ramos gigi donnarumma uh, jojo vinaldini vinaldum who i mean he's he's basically bought these players in this transfer window they are downright favorites for league 1 next season they were they were arguably uh, the best team in league 1 last season as well lille was in the best or the second best team in my honest opinion psg and lyon were the two best teams if if you really go by their underlying numbers some of the underlying numbers so but lille ended up winning uh, the, the whole league and that's 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 what counts at the end so if you if you don't win at psg it might be very brutal considering how how ruthless uh, the owners are and how how much the demands are at psg they really want to win the champions league that's the one thing that's been missing from their cabinet and with messi in that that's again the sole aim of the club that's something they will be targeting to do before 2023 before ffp may get to them so that's something they might be targeting i think it's going to be it's going to be funny to see how psg do when when they're in transition when they're off the ball when they lose the ball up front and they're in transition so that's something that's that's something that is going to interest me personally i think that they have a really good midfield options in varati vinaldum idris ganage when needed leandro paredes as well um i think they might try to sell julian traxler if possible uh to to kind of balance the books but yeah other than that i kind of see messi mbappe and neymar all the three starting 
I'm not sure if Angel Di Maria gets a direct starting, a direct place in the starting lineup. I'm, I'm not really sure he he makes it in. But again, he's another quality player to add in, even from the bench. Like you mentioned, Moro Icardi, if there is any final need, is again an option. And he's again been linked with a move uh, to Atletico Madrid, a swap deal with Luis Suarez. I'm not sure how legit the rumor is, but again, that's 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 something which is even more crazy. So so there are a lot of different options for Pochettino, and it's going to be interesting to see how they line up. So yeah, that probably brings us to the end of the messy chat, and we will. Now get on to some of the nice Patreon cushions, which might make you know for a good discussion for the rest of the episode. Dieter, who's one of our you know, founding patrons, I should say, he's he's there supporting us from the very start. He sent us some really nice questions as well, and we're going to be discussing his questions, Sudesh. And we'll start with the first one. What do you expect of Brentford this upcoming season? Asks Dieter. Oh, all right. So very interesting question. And just to set it up with the context, you know, as I always like to do, uh, they're back at the top flight after 74 years. And finally, after, you know, a, a last minute heartbreak in 2019-2020, Benford uh, essentially are in the top flight of the Premier League uh, in the in the English football. So, um so Brentford have been a team that uh, are amongst the most talked teams in football Twitter, especially by the analysts and uh, people that love to see how a club is run or how the scouts work. And uh, they are an interesting team to watch in a sense that they have successfully finished third in their last two campaigns at the championship. And one thing that I think most people don't realize is that championship is a very hard league to master. Uh, there are various factors. For example, various factors. For example, you have to compete for, uh, I suppose, 50 odd games a season, and the schedule is very tight. The league is longer. That that's the main uh, thing that makes it very daunting. And even the sides that have thrived in the Premier League and then slipped uh, slipped down in the Championship have uh, struggled because of the daunting schedule and how you know. Um, the teams are physical and everything that that's concerned to it. So they've they've done quite well and been consistent in the past two seasons. So coming into the Premier League, I, I think their first target will be to hang on, and I genuinely think they can do that because they've been uh, forming a side that can consistently perform. And if you look at not even like five or six years, just three years they had in the. 2018, 2019 season, I suppose. Brentford finished in the middle part of the table. They were 11th in the championship. And they made a huge jump in the uh, 2019, 2020 season and as they finished third. So they definitely have that potential and they definitely built up their squad then and there. And there have not been significant changes in the squad ever since then, except for one or two uh, transfers here and there. So this has been a consistent side that has performed in the uh, second uh, division. And we can expect them to uh, have like a very strong core, uh, just like what Sheffield did, although they are stylistically very different sides. But 
the box sticks in in a sense that they have that capability to hold on things. So uh, the realistic expectations would be for them to somehow cling on the Premier League and uh, cause one or two uh, upsets here and there. So uh, that, that's what I expect from Brentford this uh, season. Yeah, Brent, Brentford is like one of the most liked teams, I think, uh, among the common football audience as well. Uh, because of the way Matthew Benham is on the club, they, they are purely, I think, a money ball club. Uh, that's that's a term, I think, which which probably might bore a lot of people right now because we've heard that over and over and over again. So, Thomas Frank, after two seasons where he's come very, very close to promotion, last season as well, I mean, the season before the last as well, where they like went out to Fulham um, in, the, in, in the playoff finals was like very, very sad the way they went out. This season as well, I mean, what a, what a game it was, uh, especially against Bournemouth. So, I mean, the games were absolutely amazing. And they, they missed Rico Henry, who is their left back, he, who has been like one of the best championship players in the last two, three years. Uh, one of the best uh, left backs in, in the championship as well. So, I mean, I wouldn't say the odds were against them because they still had a really good team with them. Ivan Tony, who has kind of torn the championship apart with the number of goals he scored, 30 plus goals in the championship last season. That's that's really, really amazing. And I think they deserve promotion thoroughly as well, Sudesh, to, to, to be honest. And you look at the goal difference as well uh, across uh, across the across the championship last season. They had the second best goal difference. They scored the most goals and they had the fourth best defense, ba- purely based on goals uh, scored and goals conceded. Uh, I couldn't kind find find their you know xg and other other underlying numbers. So I'm just purely going by the goals conceded and the goals scored numbers, which which might not give a very fair, you know, very fair idea of uh, the defensive and offensive ability, but it does kind of, you know, transmit some information. So they have been one of the best teams in the championship for quite a while. They've come to the Premier League, but I think the Premier League might just be a little bit tough for them. To be honest, to be very honest, I see them in a relegation battle this season. I'm not, I'm definitely not going to put them, uh, you know, running away like Leeds United did last season. Um, I, I think Brentford are pretty much one of the teams who I see getting relegated uh, from the Premier League this season. It's going to be really, really hard for them. And staying up would be a big, big big achievement for them, in my honest opinion, as far as answering Dieter's question. So I think they are a really good team. They are going to be, I think, really fun to watch this season in the Premier League. But honestly, I feel they might go down once again. Yeah, fair shout. I mean, uh, it's it's never a very, you know, usual sight that we see teams coming up in Premier League and absolutely blow it all away. That those are very rare occasions and it's always tough for a side, especially who qualified from the playoffs, um, to step up and then cling on to the Premier League standards. So that's a fair shout. And uh, I expect them to be at the Premier League, but 
it, it's going to be a hard job. Come on, we we can both agree on that. Absolutely. We'll move on to Dita's next question, which is, I mean, his question. He basically asks, who will be the surprise package in France, England, Germany, Italy, and Spain? Basically, the top five leagues. I mean, so yeah, why, have to, why don't you begin? Yeah, why don't you begin with this? <laughs> hmm, this is this is actually really uh, really really tricky question, to be honest. But I think one of the club uh, who are probably going to be really interesting to watch this season is Ron. um from league 1 nice as well i think because they've done some really nice business in the transfer market ren have actually bought in loic bade from lons who is a, a really talented young center back kamaldin sulemana from northern from the danish superliga who is again a really exciting talent he was linked with a move to ajax heavily but he has actually ended up at ren finally and i think this is going to be a really good platform for him they have edward kamavinga as well who is another young talent i think they have if you look at the team i think they have a really decent balance and they are definitely going to be a really nice team to follow under bruno genesio so i think they are one of the team to look forward to ogc nice as well especially because again they they they've also done some really good business and yep those two are the teams from France i would really ask people to have a look at lyon because of peter boss who is kind of a manager i like and i think this probably might be his last big bet at a at a big club because of the way his career has panned out and I think his Leon is going to be an interesting watch as well. Yes, they've lost they've lost Memphis. That's that's a big uh, big loss. It's going to be really hard to recoup his goals, but I think they do have enough firepower there. Lucas Paqueta had a really good season last time out and you know Maxence Kakere, Hussein Mouar who's who's been linked with a move away all summer, but still ha- hasn't moved at all. Toko Ekambi, I guess they are they are close to agreeing a deal for Shahzad Shakiri from Liverpool as well he's going to be a decent option i guess for leon from the bench uh, so yeah leon are also another team who i would probably you know keep an eye out on and those are my the teams from france from england aston villa definitely if you follow the transfer market they've done some really amazing business in the market Emi Buendia they've lost Jack Grealish but they bought in Emi Buendia um, Leon Bailey from Leverkusen Danny Ings is a signing that they brought in but I'm not I'm not really thrilled about that because because I'm not really sure if Danny Ings would be a huge success at Aston Villa if they are planning to play two up front with Watkins Oli Watkins and Danny Ings it might suit Ings more but I don't see him properly you know catching up to his southampton form if it's it's again a 433 ish formation but wendia and bailey are two players i really really like and i think uh, i think they are definitely a team to look out for this season leicester obviously uh, an obvious pick i think this would be they've strengthened the team as well batson uh, daka sumare as well uh, they have i think a great deal for yanik westergaard because of fofana's injury 
they've sent Ryan Bertrand as well on a free transfer. They've done some really good business. They have Harvey Barnes returning from injury. James Justin probably might be back sometime this season as well. So they have a really young and really quality team. After missing out on the Champions League for the last two years, they've come very, very close, but they've kind of kind of bottled it at the very end. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they manage to break into the top four. I think fifth is a fair shout for them. It's going to be really hard to break into the top four, but but they are going to be a really surprising team to watch. I think these two probably are my picks from England. Graham Potter's Brighton, as always, for me, would be an interesting choice. And I think I think surprising, since Bodita mentioned surprises, I think it wouldn't surprise me if we see Southampton in a relegation battle this season. It's it's really sad to see what's happening there. Uh, the lack of business, uh, them losing star players. So it wouldn't really surprise me to see them in the bottom half fighting for relegation to stay up. And it wouldn't really surprise me if they end, end up you know, going down either. So these are few of my picks, uh, Sudesh. I'll, I'll leave it to you for Spain and Italy. Yeah, yeah fair enough. I mean, uh, in Spain and Italy, I don't see like that much of surprising or, you know, those fairy tale dynamite packages coming up. But uh, one team that I guess should uh, put an eye on would be Rayo Vallecano. They're back at the Spanish Liga this time around and they had like excellent bustle season in the second division and, you know, they didn't necessarily qualify. And uh, they've been doing quite well uh, with a lot of some standout players that might like hurt the big ones. So Raya Baikano would be my pick. Uh, they would not essentially surprise that much, but they could surprise here and there. And still, they might end up in the relegation battle is what is very interesting. Uh, and from Italy, uh, I have not followed Italy, uh, Italian football this this much this time around, this time around but um, considering the players that they're, they're lost and they're uh, continuing to lose, I see Inter Milan not in a very good position uh, as they would have liked to start their title defense. I mean, Romelu Lukaku is off to uh, Chelsea, and um, although they have additions in and in the form of um, Hakan Chalanoglu and spontaneous transfers here and there, I, I don't see them being in a very comfortable position as well. And neither do I see Juventus being that a very dominant old lady that they used to be it's going to be a very evenly matched competition so i would exp- i would not be surprised if inter milan struggled this time around because of uh, you know uh, there's always a very steep climb up and a steep climb down that was not necessarily as steep for inter milan but uh, inter can definitely come downwards and know this better than a liverpool fan right <laughs> so uh, <laughs> those are my picks <laughs> And and a Barcelona fan as well in me. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. And I think uh, I, I was talking about OGC Nice as well. Christoph Galtier obviously is the manager, league-winning manager with Lille last season. They've added a lot of really talented players: Calvin Stengs, uh, Jean Claude Todibo, um, they signed Mario Lamina, a couple of other places. Melvin Bard from Lyon. Um, I mean, he's he's very young. But he was expected to actually make 
to step up and play more minutes for Leon this season, but he, he's moved to Nice. So they are a really amazing team to watch or look forward to uh, in, in, in League One this season. And we've, we've actually skipped Bund- the Bundesliga, sadly, but so I, I would actually like to look at the Bundesliga as well. Stuttgart, for me, under Pellegrino Matarazzo is, is, is a really interesting team to watch. They got promoted... Uh, the season before last and last season they were actually good in the Bundesliga. I, I, I love to I, I mean I loved watching them play. They had a really big result against Dortmund in one of the games. They finished ninth, which is a really good with 45 points. That's which is a really you know nice way to come back into the Bundesliga. Union Berlin is another club. I think they have kind of exceed expectations they're a really nice club to vibe with as well i think they have also been really good in the bundesliga to these two clubs i think probably should you know should actually be fighting for a europa league spot this season they have two really good managers as well but apart from these two the really obvious choices borussia mönchengladbach under adi hutter who was uh, entered Frankfurt's manager last year. There's been a lot of manager merry-go-round there. Uh, you have Mark Van Bommel at Wolfsburg this uh, this season. Then you have you know, Marco Rosa at, Boru- uh, at Borussia Dortmund. It's going to be really interesting to see how well he does at Borussia Dortmund. Jesse Marsh at Leipzig, again, an interesting choice. So, I think the Bundesliga, as usual, as always, is going to be really exciting. That that's one of my favorite top five leagues, to be honest. Apart from Premier League, it's 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 a really good brand of football there. So that's that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, fair shout. I mean, Bundesliga has definitely uh, points to check out. You mentioned Stuttgart, and the team that I'm most interested in looking forward is uh, Dortmund under Marco Rosa, especially after what he's done as Gladbach and how you know. Uh, probably he's hailed in football Twitter because of his assistant and uh, things like that. So it would be interesting considering what he has done. Uh, and and we we forgot another thing like Julian Nagelsmann is at Bayern Munich. So um, that's also Ooh, very of course of course yeah that's also a very good thing to look forward to in the German Bundesliga. So all the like acclaimed coaches, young either you know. Those who have the USPs in their side, uh, you know, they all are in the Bundesliga. And it's a very exciting time to be a Bundesliga fan. And I think I'll also switch on to match, like watch a lot of Bundesliga matches this time around because the tactical battles are very like mouthwatering. Although uh, you can argue that uh, Premier League still has the edge, uh, like the big lions in Pep Guardiola, Jürgen Klopp and here and there. Managers are still in the Premier League, but the young one or the upcoming ones. I think if you if you are into those, I think Bundesliga is the best platform to be at. Absolutely, absolutely, no doubt. And we'll move on to the last last part of the discussion, which is the best transfer this window so far, and why? That's the question from Dieter. I know the transfer window has not been closed yet, and I I I really really expect more activity because of the transfer that's happened already. So I think we, we could still see a surprise or two uh, in the days to come in the transfer window. 
the mercato is obviously crazy this season out i mean it's it's definitely like fifa to be honest who would expect messi aguero jadon sancho etc to all leave in the same window david alaba it's 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 been a crazy crazy transfer window I, and i think there's more to come but sudesh from the transfers that's happened so far if you could pick two transfers that's that's really interested you who would you pick and why okay let me get my things and agendas clear the first pick would be little messi to paris saint germain and the reason is you know and the second one would be for me if the deal is already done it's it has to be romelu lukaku to chelsea because uh, i think thomas tuchel has done a very good job and he just won a uefa super uh, like the uefa super cup yesterday worth mentioning and he won the champions league too uh, he has done a very good club he has transformed the side that he took over from frank lampard essentially the signings were struggling and everything you know there there was a missing piece in the puzzle and romelu lukaku worth noting that he has uh, scored 24 goals in serie like enters serie winning campaign and he's just 27 he's it feels like he's been there forever but he's just 27 approaching his peak so a striker of lukaku's caliber who has already scored 96 goals in the premier league and is 27 is in his peak and uh, still has a comfortable at least three years in his game um coming into his team and with uh, the studded lineup that it has i think that's excites me uh like the most and and like it it fits in perfect it does not it doesn't it like chelsea realized last summer last season that you know you cannot place timo werner in the center forward position he's better off from the left and he does a lot of things right you know making those decoy runs and uh, beating defenses with his pace but you cannot be always reliant on timo werner to finish those chances and be at the receiving end now this time around they've gotten a player who can essentially do that people can always doubt on his first touch but what excites me the most is the chances keep on coming from chelsea and they have also a very good manager who can work things around a very good uh, a solid striker up front so i, I pick romelu lukaku to chelsea in that regard and worth mentioning like who would have thought David Alaba 28 in his peak a central defender central defender defender transferring from one club to another especially at their peak is a very rare sight like we we've seen uh, Varane and Alaba move to other clubs in the same window which is very unlikely so i, I definitely think they are also very solid transfers hmm that's those are pretty much straightforward picks you just went with a no nonsense pick <laughs> so we will probably or or i i'll basically pick out of the box right now so, so if if i basically rule out all the obvious picks the big picks like messi uh, etc i put probably still have five to seven names who i think are going to be really amazing piece of businesses by clubs one of them is the 30 million euros signing by borussia dortmund donel malen uh, i think jaden sancho losing the jaden sancho is 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 a big big loss for dortmund i think he's been really really amazing uh, for them in the last last three seasons as far as create creation is concerned as far as scoring is concerned he's 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 one of the best creators in the world 
in the last two or three seasons. Uh, and I think Leo Messi has probably been the only player who's been better than him in terms of chance creation in the last two or three seasons in the top five European leagues. So losing someone of that caliber of that stature is is very it's a very big blow. But I think Donald Malin could probably I, I don't think he might be a very like like uh, replacement for Sancho, but I think Marlon should actually form a really nice partnership with Erling Haaland, and I think Marlon should be a really good signing for Dortmund. That's that's one of my signing of the seasons. There are a few more as well who I want to mention. I like I said, five seven. There are five seven players who I really love the way they move they move clubs basically. But Christian Romero to Spurs again. Spurs badly needed a centre back, a really good one as well, and I think Christian Romero is a really good deal by Spurs. They got him for a pretty good fee as well. I think it's it's the first obligation is a loan, I think, and then it might be made permanent. I'm not really sure how the deal is structured, but the transfer is a really nice one. I think Romero is a very well assured defender. You saw in the Copa America as well. I think one of one of the main reasons Argentina kind of went through was also because Romero really stood out in the team. And there are a few other players as well. Um, so they, the likes of Andre Silva moving to Leipzig, who badly need a goal scorer. I think he's he's probably going to get a few more goals for them after losing Timo Werner. I think last season. I think if they kind of had a really good goal scorer last season, I think they would have probably kept up with Bayern till the very end. But I think that's the one thing they were missing last season and that's why they kind of fell out of the title race all of a sudden and Bayern easily went forward. So I think these are a few players. Eno Kempepu as well, who signed for Brighton, another really nice player, uh, one who I really like. Alex Newbill to Monaco is, again, a deal which I really like. It's a loan deal. I think staying at Bayern wouldn't have made a lot of sense for him because Manuel Neuer would definitely have played a lot of games, almost all the games. I think moving to Monaco is a really good choice as well because they need a keeper. Their last keeper was... Uh, I think I think I had a look at their post-shot XG last season and... I think they probably needed a better keeper. And I think Alex Newbill's short stopping is pretty decent, pretty good, to be honest. And I think it's going to be a really good experience for him at Monaco. So that is, again, another good deal if you look at it from an individual's perspective. So, yeah, those probably are some of my picks. I could even pick more deals, but yeah, we'll just keep it to this much. Yeah, just for the honorary mention, let's just mention... That's in that guy to Leicester City. What a transfer it is. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, but I've kind of heard a lot of people having reservations for Patson Daka. But I think he is going to be a pretty good replacement for Jamie Vardy. Again, uh, Leicester had a really good you know, spark up, up front last season, towards the end of the season, from Kelechi Henacho, who kind of started banging in with a lot of goals. But having someone like Patson Daka, uh, again, as an extra option is is a really good one. And I think what was 22 million euros was the transfer fee. And I think for that, that fee, I think, like, like you mentioned, it's a really, really good deal. But from people that I kind of trust a lot from some of the analysts, I trust a lot. I kind of have heard them being a little bit reserved about Patson Daka. But let's see, though. Let's see. 
Yeah, and it's understandable as well. Like a very different profile to what Vardy offers. He like is in the shoulders of the defenders. You know, Batson that guy is more of a runner and gets uh, on the ball and stuff like that. Is able to get behind, whereas Jamie Vardy would essentially be in front and then look to get behind. So I know where that is coming from, but still, he's been the talk of the town for quite a lot, and he has proved that he can essentially bag those goals. So I think it's also a transfer to look forward to whether it works out or not. It in itself is a very good transfer, as I would say. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, that is probably the end of this episode. But one final question again from Dieter: Do you play fantasy Premier League? Dieter, of course I do. I mean, I'm not a very active player though because I'm kind of a sore loser and I I kind of end up you know stopping playing FPL mid-season when I like drop out of what one million or so. So I'm a really bad loser at FPL. But what about you? So this. Yeah, I I get that you are a Liverpool fan and then choose, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold in your defense side. So there's there's like no shame in doing that. And coming to Dieter's question, yeah, I also play Fantasy Premier League and let's connect this to what we talked uh, in the middle of the podcast. So this time around, I've kept Ivan Tony in my team because I think he will be one of those players like Patrick Bamford or Timo Pukki who would uh, be the goal scorers for their side and would back if their side score it's highly likely that they would be uh, the goal scorers so uh, yeah I definitely play fantasy Premier League and I just left you a tip on uh, who to pick if you have like a budget constraint and you want a striker that's not expensive and also likely to score some goals. <laughs> I mean, I picked a really nice team. Last season, after game week two, I was in the top 15k, and and I kind of no, I kind of thought how stupid of me, but I kind of thought that I would probably make it into the top 10k by the end of the season. But how wrong was I at the end of the season? So yeah, so I I, I kind of picked a team as well. But looking forward to it later. We might probably end up making a league sometime tomorrow if possible but nothing sure yeah it, it's kind of you know i i actually started getting into premier league after i started playing fantasy premier league in i guess in and i i decided to retire after i put philip coutinho in my team one season and then he was injured for the rest and then you know how things have turned and i've started playing it again <laughs> That's 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 a really nice that that really feels nice. You mentioning Philip Coutinho, especially being a Barcelona fan. You know, I say be happy with what you have now. You know, since the Holy Grail has gone. <laughs> yep, that sounds that sounds very reasonable. So, yep, this brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to our show, to our ramblings, and we will be coming up with more episodes. because the season starts this week we will have more content to present we will have really amazing topics to discuss as well so wishing you all a very 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 happy new amazing football season until the next episode this is bye bye from the big and to this is well